What if you could have a little angel on your shoulder during birth, encouraging you, reminding you of your strength, preparing cool cloths, maybe with essential oils, playing your favorite music, and if necessary, speaking up for you and your desires when your strength goes out the window. Or even someone physically adjusting your body into positions that can help you open your pelvis or release pain. While our partners can be there for our birth and support us, absolutely, they too have a lot of emotions, fears, and distractions going on. And it can be hard for them to be 100% fully focused on your needs, not to mention that they don't have the experience or the training. However, a doula or mother-servant is there for you and you alone. And aside from just keeping you comfortable, they're also there to educate you on what's happening in real time, and even to help you labor from home, if you're able to safely, until you're truly ready for the hospital, if that's where you chose to give birth. Having been a doula herself for 10 years before she got pregnant, Heidi Snyderburn thought she had all the tools, and she'd be able to navigate her labor and birth on her own with the support of family. However, when she found herself still pregnant at 42 weeks and five days, being forced into an induction, and then being sent home because she wasn't dilated enough, she knew she made a mistake. Had she had all the emotional and physical support of a doula, she would have never been put in that situation. And today, we'll hear from Heidi what a doula actually does, the benefits of having one, and how you can find one even if you don't think it fits in to your budget. You're listening to the Mamas in Training podcast, giving aspiring and expecting mamas guidance and community from moms who have been there. I'm your host, Jessica Lorian, but I'm not yet a mom. An autoimmune disease delayed my journey into motherhood, so I made it my mission while I heal to learn with you all about motherhood so together we can be as prepared as possible. And today we're making sure that we have all the support we need in birth by learning just how transformative a doula can be. Before we get to the episode, I want you to do one thing with me. Picture this. You're out for a day of errands with your baby when all of a sudden they've soaked their fresh diaper that you just put on them before you left. Okay, no worries. You have an extra diaper. Give them a quick change in the Target bathroom, but an hour later, you notice a familiar smell. Oh gosh, time for another change. It's poop time. Yay! But you're a pro. You packed a second diaper, so you've got this one covered too. Baby is now asleep in the stroller, so you decide to go grab yourself a quick coffee. But then all of a sudden, they wake up screaming. So you pick them up, and what is on your hands? It's a blowout! There goes the third diaper, baby's clothes, and your own. With Boom Boom blowout bodysuits, diaper blowouts are covered. Literally. The entire back of each bodysuit contains waterproof PUL lining, polyurethane laminate fabric, which is used in cloth diapers. It is then bonded between two layers of super soft, 
unbleached organic cotton, making blowouts no longer a stress. Trust me, I saw it in action, and it's amazing how strong these Boom Boom blowout bodysuits are. They're made right here in the U.S., and the design is beautiful. Treat yourself to less stress, and let Boom Boom Baby Company cover that mess by clicking the link in the show notes, and make sure to use the code MAMASPOD, that's M-A-M-A-S-P-O-D 25, for 25% off at checkout because nobody has time for a blowout. Now that we got that covered, on to the show. When I became pregnant for the first time, I had been practicing as a doula for 10 years. And what that also meant is I just probably didn't have enough money to pay for a doula. And my husband had just gotten out of the military and had never been to college. So my husband was using military benefits to go to college. And our plan was for him to be the stay-at-home parent for the first year. So there just wasn't the funds. There wasn't two or $3,000 to pay for a doula to support us. And I thought, I'm a doula. I've got all the tools. And my sister had really convinced me that she could do it. She had had unmedicated births. My mom had had every generational, everyone had had unmedicated births, right? And so I just thought that's what our family does. We have unmedicated births. I've got all the tools. My husband and I will go to Bradley class, which is a partner coach childbirth, and we'll do it. And so that didn't really work out in my favor. (laughs) (laughs) And so dot, dot, dot. (laughs) Dot, dot, dot. How not to do birth as a first-time birthing person. And there's a myth out there that, like, doulas equal unmedicated births, right? right? And that's just not true. But I will say that if you want to have an unmedicated birth or you're planning an unmedicated birth, doulas play a big role in helping you achieve that goal. But if you're planning an epidural or you're planning a scheduled C-section, a doula still plays a really valuable role for all birthing persons mm-hmm. and their partners if there is one. So so there I was, super pregnant, <laughs> planning my unmedicated birth. Like it was just not, it wasn't even an option in my mind. Yeah. And then I found myself in un chartered territory. My due date was April the 6th. At that point in my career, 10 years later, I'd never had a client go beyond 42 weeks gestation. Like Mm. most everyone got an induction around 41 weeks and my husband and I had done fertility. So there wasn't really a guess. Like I knew when I got pregnant. So my due date wasn't off. And in fact, my child was tracking very big. So they had even said, like, they thought my due date was around, like, March 21st. And I was like, that's not even possible. (laughs) Like, we did fertility, but, like, he was just kind of tracking big. We didn't know it was a male sex at the time either. So, So 40 weeks came and went. And 41 weeks came and went. And 42 weeks came and went. Oh my God. And I, I, then everything just fell apart because 
then I just started to shut down. I didn't understand like why I was still pregnant on April the 20th, right? And I was like, well, now what do I do? And I didn't have a doula. And so like the advocacy piece was like just not there. And so it ended up just me being somebody who cried and then uh, to my midwives basically like every day when they said like, you need to come in for an induction. And I was Mm. like, no, mm -mm, I'm not doing it. So I refused an induction over and over Mm. and over again because I believe in physiological birthing. I believed like there's no possible way I'm going to not go into labor. Like Mm. That's not a thing. But as a doula, I had not had clients go to 43 or 44 weeks, which I had only read about in books. So when I found myself there and had no doula, things just started to fall apart. So at 42 and two, I was going to the chiropractor and the acupuncturist basically every day from 41 weeks on. It was like, okay, let's just try to get my yen energy to move to my yan energy, which is your pregnancy energy to your birthing energy. I went to reflexology. I mean, I ate the dates. We had sex. I drank (laughs) castor oil. I mean, I did enemas. I mean, I did every blue cohosh, black cohosh, every single tool that there is in the toolbox (laughs) for naturally inducing labor for like a week and a half. And it did nothing. And finally, at 42 and two-ish, I was at the acupuncturist and I started feeling the first contractions. But I was very aware that they weren't labor contractions. (laughs) Up until 42 weeks and two days, I hadn't even had like a Braxton Hicks contraction. Mm. So I was like, oh, this is like what prodromal labor must feel like or early labor, you know, no pattern to it. Very short contractions. And when the acupuncturist was taking my pulse, she had said, like, I think your energy is shifting over, but it just hasn't shifted yet. So I I don't think it's going to be like, I think you should come back tomorrow. And I was like, okay. So I had a doctor's appointment later that day and my midwife like wasn't available. I'm seeing an obstetrician and it was a male that I'd never seen. I get nervous. I consented to a vaginal exam, which I would never do. There's no point to ever have a vaginal exam Mm -hmm. when you're not in labor. (laughs) So (laughs) no point. And he checked my cervix and said, well, I just swept your membranes. And um, hopefully you'll be in labor by tonight. So as a doula, when you're a pregnant person, you just can't doula yourself and advocate for yourself. And I I didn't say, like, don't sweep my membranes. I should have said, I don't want a vaginal exam. But I was not, I was like a fingertip dilated, which is, you know, pretty normal for 42 weeks. And uh, my cervix was very posterior in the back. My bishop score was a zero. I mean, I was not ready to go into my birthing time. And he swept my membranes without my consent. So what that did was what membrane sweeps do is they don't put you into labor. They put you into prodromal labor and give you labor-like symptoms that don't lead to a baby or cervical dilation. So 42 and 2, 42 and 3, 4 and 5 for the next like four days, I had prodromal labor where I consistently contracted like every 15 to 20 minutes, lots of bleeding, lots of cramping, just couldn't sleep, 
it was pretty awful. And I didn't have a doula, so I didn't have the tools to get comfortable. So it just led to a lot of emotional breakdown. And there was a ton of pressure to induce. So like they scheduled my inductions over and over again. And I just kept not showing up. And then they would call and be like, well, where, where are you? And I would be like, well, I think I'm in labor, you know, because I'm having, why would I come in for my induction? Because I think I'm in labor. But it was just prodromal labor. I didn't have an expert there to help me understand that I wasn't progressing to active labor. So at 42 and five, my consistent labor began, early labor, where I was having consistent time of bowl contractions that were around five minutes apart or less, and they were lasting for about 60 seconds. It was a Friday night, and I was, like, scared, you know? I'm like, I've never yeah. known anyone to be this pregnant <laughs> before. Yeah. I, was, I was gigantic. I had gained 70 pounds. So we eventually made our way to the hospital, Jess, and I was only two centimeters dilated. Mm. And they told me, after forcing an induction on me that I didn't show up for, they then told me I was only two centimeters dilated. And if I wanted to have an unmedicated birth, I should just go home. And I was an hour drive from the hospital. As a birth doula, this would never happen to any of my clients. It's never happened to my clients. It would never happen to any of my clients. Because I would be there to be their emotional and physical support person and their guide to their education, yeah. right? On the difference between prodromal labor, consequences of membrane sweeps, early labor versus active labor. And I would have never gotten in the car and driven to the hospital at yeah. two centimeters dilated in early labor. Now, I think the question that comes up a lot when we're considering a doula well, there's the conversation about money, which we can talk about later. But I think the other thing that actually came up with my husband when the topic came up at one point was he said to me, well, can't I just do that? Can't I just support you? I'll be there for you. And I always have your best interest at hand. Or we think we have a good relationship with our provider. Can our provider just look out for what we want? We have a birth plan. Doesn't everybody know what I want to have done and you know what I need? In many instances, a doula can be anyone, right? A doula can be a sister, a best friend, a partner, a spouse, as your emotional and physical support person only. But most doulas like myself have extra training, like in spinning babies. Let's say your baby was presenting OP, occiput posterior, facing the wrong, you're not the wrong direction, but facing up. It's a much harder entryway into the pelvis and a much higher cesarean rate. Well, a trained doula knows very specific positions to put you in to encourage a baby to rotate, to tuck their chin, to put their shoulders in, and to rotate into a beautiful LOA on the left side, occiput anterior, their head facing down, their head down, their chin tucked. Um, and those are things that we start preparing for with Spinning Baby's Daily Essentials as soon as you find out you're pregnant. And then we look at the signs and the symptoms and the way that you're laboring to help move your body into positions to help you have a shorter labor, an easier labor, and a higher chance at a vaginal birth. So there are things that trained doulas know how to do that like a lay person just wouldn't know how to do, right? So 
Can a partner encourage you and love you and calm you with physical touch and put an ice cloth on your forehead and put a fan on you and that type of thing? Yes. Can they reduce your chances of having a cesarean section? Probably not. So in my city, Charlotte, North Carolina, if you are a healthy first-time birthing person carrying a singleton baby with no complications, the lowest cesarean rate hospital in the city is 21% cesarean rate. Mm. That's if you're healthy. Mm-hmm. Now imagine if you have preeclampsia or right. you need to be induced or you have multiples. So we, you know, across this country, we're close to a 40% cesarean rate. I've been practicing for 18 years and I have a 7% cesarean rate and I don't pick and choose high risk versus low risk. Right, right. So the power of a doula is opening your pelvis in a unique way. So if the baby's up high, I need to open the the inlet of your pelvis. If the baby's mid-center, I need to do positions to help the baby tuck their chin and their shoulders. And if it's pushing time, I need to work with your body and your pelvis to open the outlet of your pelvis to make abundant room for a vaginal birth. And we can do that with an epidural or without an epidural. But we put a little too much pressure on our partners and our spouses. We're like, hey, do you want to be my best friend, <laughs> housemate, you know, and, 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 and all the things. Right. Um, it's, a, it's a lot to ask. Um, and do you want to be my doula even though you've had no training? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so most doulas like myself are trained in things like spinning babies, birthing from within, Lamaze the Bradley method, hypnobirthing. So there's lots of things that a doula brings to the table as far as childbirth education, preparedness, knowing where you're at in the process, and what to do when. Right. So position A may help rotate your baby in the wrong direction mm. at the if it's not used appropriately at the right time. So we covered the the partner, but shouldn't we expect our provider to know what to do when? So your provider isn't actually with you at all unless you're like in midwifery care at a birth center at a home birth. And even with my home birth clients, the doula is typically with you for most of the early and active labor. The midwives uh, tend to come in a little bit through active labor transition and then like pushing. Hmm. So if you are giving birth in a hospital, it surprises some people your provider usually isn't going to step into that room until you're crowning. Mm. So I'm pushing with just the nurse and the doula, usually for the first hour without even a medical provider in the room. And then there are things that we see, like the parting of the labias, like um, kind of the emergence of the top of the head. And once the perineum is bulging enough, then they would call the provider for their precious time for delivery. So wow. it surprises people that your medical provider is there for your delivery. They're yes, not there the for actual your delivery. labor. Yeah, that's yeah. going to be your nurse. And your nurse is running four or five rooms if you're at the hospital. Exactly. And you mentioned midwives a couple times. And we've talked about midwives several times on the podcast, but never specifically covered that. So the difference between having a midwife then and a doula is actual delivery, just like you would have a provider at the hospital. Is that correct? Yeah. So a midwife is your medical 
provider. So your midwife is responsible for your life and your baby's life. Mm. That's your midwife. They are responsible for the delivery, a safe delivery. They're responsible for your bleeding. They're responsible for your blood pressure. They're responsible for your headache. They're responsible for taking care of your body medically and your baby's body medically. Now, midwives are also trained with nurturing continuity of care. So midwives give a lot of love, a lot of physical touch, a lot of positioning, a lot of advice and support. It's very different than obstetrical care or an OBGYN who is a trained surgeon. Right. So that person, a, a do, you know, a doctor, an OBGYN is also responsible for you and your baby's medical care, but they can also perform surgery like a cesarean section. A midwife cannot perform surgery. They can assist in the surgery. So if you were delivering at a hospital with a midwife and you had to go to cesarean section, an obstetrician would be doing the surgery. The midwife would be assisting in that surgery often. If you were delivering at a birth center or at home, then just the midwife would be doing your medical care. But often they're very nurturing, loving, and emotional support persons. A doula is with you for your whole pregnancy also for 24-7 care. So like when I was pregnant, I can't call my midwife at two o'clock in the morning and tell my midwife, like, I can't sleep. I'm having insomnia. I'm so anxious. I'm worried about this birth. I don't know what to do. That emotional support is for a phone call for your doula. So what are some other things that we might want to double check that our doula actually does do? I mean, of course, they're keeping our best interest in mind. Maybe they're creating a nice environment during your actual birth. But what else can, you know, maybe if we're having a conversation with doulas when we're interviewing them to make sure that they're the right fit, what do we want to make sure, what boxes do they check off? Yeah, so what are their offerings? So some doulas are nurses also, and maybe they do have a medical component to some of the things they do, like they're willing to check, do a cervical check at home before going to the hospital. You would want to know how early in the process does your doula come to you, right? Like you can't go to the hospital and get checked in unless you're in active labor four to six centimeters dilated. Well, there's a lot of labor that happens before that. So hopefully or usually your doula will be with you much earlier on in the process, laboring with you at home. Pillars in my business are education through Birth Story Academy, I have the birth story podcast and the book. So all my clients are getting their childbirth education through me and then they're getting community. So Facebook community is really important, but you know, I have a hundred private clients per year. So I put them in small text messaging groups together, especially by zip codes Mm. so that individuals that are birthing around the same time and they're close zip codes and they have the same doulas, like fundamentally they have some things in common and they think that they would connect. So as a doula, I try to build community Mm. throughout their whole pregnancy and their support. 
And then accessibility. Like I said, I'm on call for my clients 24-7, 365. I want them to be able to call me not during working hours and then get a voicemail afterwards. Like they can call and wake me up at two o'clock in the morning if they're concerned about anything and they need emotional or physical support. Maybe that's like their back is really hurting and so they need to have a massage, a heating pad, some position changes, even when they're not in active labor. So anything that I can do that's non-medical, but that I can emotionally, physically support them or educate them. Another role of a doula is advocacy too, especially with women of color in our country, you're three to four times more likely to die, Mm -hmm. to die in childbirth just because you're brown or black. And you're not heard. So a doula advocates no matter what color your skin is, but it's really important for our black and brown community to have a doulas so that they can be heard, especially birthing persons where English is not your first language. Yeah. An advocate is really important so that you are heard, right? And the things that you're feeling in your body, if it's off, They need to be addressed right away. And a lot of times women, unfortunately, are just not being heard. Hospitals have policies and procedures. And just because they have a policy or procedure doesn't mean that you don't have the right to deny it. So doulas help you with informed consent and informed refusal. Example of my birth was informed refusal of not going to my induction and waiting for spontaneous labor to occur with physiological birthing. So, and that can be a little controversial in the medical world, but that was what was right for me and my body. And um, I did have a beautiful vaginal birth at 43 weeks, zero Mm. days Mm. with an almost 11 pound baby. Goodness gracious. You know, I could have been induced at 41 weeks and maybe had a C-section, but I waited for spontaneous physiological birthing and was able to achieve a vaginal birth with a giant baby. Yeah. Um, You know, because of extreme patience, I will say. And I think the important thing to take away, too, is just the value of choice and everybody's choice and whatever that is and making sure that you're heard no matter what you look like or where you come from and adhering to the hospital policy. I'm really glad you brought that up. You know, we walk into those doors of a hospital or even a birthing center and we expect the team to have our best interest in mind. But at the same time, they have certain procedures and steps that they need to follow, numbers that they need to reach, boxes they need to check. And we don't really realize that it could just be procedure for them instead of something that we can actually say no to, or instead of this, I'd prefer that. So Mm -hmm. I think having a doula really empowers you to make the decisions that you want to make and be reminded of those things as well. Yeah. And so a lot of those policies and procedures are built on fear of being sued, right? Right. And wanting to have data or evidence to like back up the decisions that they made through vaginal exams and charting and continuous fetal monitoring. A lot of them are also made from the less than 1%, right? 
of each one of those providers has attended a birth where the baby died in the middle of the Mm -hmm. labor. It's horrible for everyone. It is very rare when a mom has a, has a hemorrhage and bleeds out. So they put protocols in, in place. Like everyone gets an IV port. Right. Because if we need to give you blood right away, we can. Even right. though 99% of people aren't going to need blood, everybody right. gets it. So I think it's about educating yourself on what the policies and procedures are from triage to the birth room to the operating room with through an induction or spontaneous labor. And then you have to look at your doula hopefully is educating you on the pros and the cons and the risks and the benefits, and then asking you to check in with your intuition, what feels right for you and your body and your baby in your particular situation. Going to 43 weeks gestation, just as an example, has risks associated with it. I knew I was taking a risk. I felt safe to make the decision to to not be induced and to keep going. Um, along in my pregnancy with patients, but I had to check in with my intuition and I'm an evidence-based doula with an MBA. So I had to go look at also all the data too and evaluate those pros and those cons and those risks and those benefits and then make a decision for what felt right for my body. I just wish I had had a doula as a sounding board for like I ended up with an epidural in the hospital because I just didn't have a trained professional to help me understand where I was at in labor and some other things that I could have done for pain management besides an epidural. Because when you're in labor, even when you're a doula, you can't think, you know, I can't think for myself and my, you know, my sister was like, you just do it. And I'm like, well, I can't just do it. The pain is overwhelming right <laughs> exactly. now. Can you tell me something else to do besides yeah. an epidural. So. Now you've mentioned a couple times, if it's possible and if it's safe, with a doula being able to stay at home for as long as possible and ride those labor pains before you're actually ready to go into the, the birthing labor, what, what would it be called? An active labor. So active labor is defined as when your contractions are two to three minutes apart. They're lasting for 60 to 90 seconds, and that's been going on for at least two hours if you're a first-time birthing person, one hour if you're like a multip you've given birth before. So So um, it's helpful to know, especially if we are able to have a doula beside us, whether they are physically there or we can just call them on the phone or maybe Zoom them or whatever to kind of have them tell us what we can do, how we can stay at home so that we don't get to the hospital too early and potentially be encouraged to get or that induction. Or just get turned away. Right. Yeah. Or just have someone tell you, sorry, you're not advanced enough in your labor to be admitted. Right. You need to go back home. And that can be, that can just be such a spirit killer when you're yeah. so excited to meet your baby. Finally. And you think you're working really hard because you are working really hard because labor is really long. And usually in a first time birthing person, it's 24 hours or more. Mm -hmm. And so when you're on hour 12 or 13 and they're really intense, you know, it's hard to understand that maybe you're still in early labor. Okay. So, so you've sold us on this idea. Now, how do you recommend finding one and, and where, where do we go? Yeah, to find a doula. So uh, uh, there is a couple of ways. The first 
thing I would do, no matter what city you were in, is I would go straight to Google and I would look at Google reviews, right? So if a doula has a, a, a long history, there should be a, a legitimate business with Google business and there should be reviews there. There are also certifying organizations. Mine is Dona International. It's D-O-N-A dot org. And you can go to websites like that and you can find a certified doula in your area. So you could search a certifying organization like Dona.org and type in, I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. So type in Charlotte, North Carolina, and it'll show you the certified birth doulas through that organization in your area. All of my business, though, comes from word of mouth. So getting into your forums, like on a Facebook group or on a hashtag on Instagram, like hashtag doula in, you know, I'm in Charlotte. So hashtag doula in Charlotte or hashtag Charlotte doula and start looking through some of those hashtags to find some doulas that are actively promoting their businesses. And then who is everyone else using? So going into groups that you're part of and saying like, okay, I'm a mom in training. I'm getting ready to to give birth. I would like to hire a doula. Um, I mean, there are fertility doulas for those people that are going through fertility journeys who aren't even pregnant yet. So just doing your research and finding out who have other people worked with that they really loved Every doula has a different style. So it's really important to ask, like, what's their experience? What's their style? When do they come to you? What's their process for your, for their pregnancy? You know, and the education piece of it. So I would really take the time to find out what they would do for you. And with your first birth, you mentioned the challenge of money and the finances and not wanting to go ahead and spend that. So if there's somebody listening that's like, well, that sounds amazing, but I feel the same way, yeah. what would what would you say? What, what can we do? Yeah. Okay. So this is one of my favorite things to talk about. Um, I don't know what city everyone's in listening. In my city, doulas are anywhere between two and $4,000, okay, for your pregnancy and delivery. That's a lot of money. It's a big investment, right? 30% are covered under insurance. So check your insurance, oh. everyone. Check your insurance. If you know someone in HR, be continue to advocate. We have two big banks here in Charlotte, Wells Fargo and Bank of America, that haven't historically been covering doula services. We have a lot of people right now advocating for 2023 benefits for doulas to be mm. included in their parental benefits. So it's really, really important. But check with your insurance. You'd be surprised. AT&T employees, doulas are paid in full. So mm. you just check, okay? Then many employers will give a health savings accounts and flexible spending accounts. If a doula has a legitimate business, they can be able to submit um, a contract and a receipt to you that you could get reimbursed through your flexible spending account or your health Smart. savings account. Mm. So you still have to have two to $4,000 sitting around somewhere. So here's another way. Every year, there are new persons that are becoming doulas. They have to have births under their belt in order to get certified. So they have to volunteer 
or take them at significantly discounted rates. So there are often doulas that for three, five, six hundred dollars, eight hundred dollars will do your birth for their certification. Then you have newer doulas. They're trying to get Google reviews. They're trying to get word of mouth. They've been trained. They have some experience, but they're willing to work with you at a discounted rate so that they can gain experience, so that they can get to that two to $4,000 range. And then there are community doulas. So there are many, um, like right now in Charlotte, we have a retired midwife. She practiced for 34 years. She delivered one of mine and she volunteers as a doula. There are um, community doulas that volunteer for at-risk populations like teen pregnancies, birthing persons who have been abused, birthing persons that are homeless, persons of color because of that disparity between black and brown birthing persons and white birthing persons and maternal death. So there are a lot of doulas that are very passionate about working at an affordable rate so that everyone can have access to doulas. At the end of the day, private insurance follows Medicare and Medicaid services. So until Medicare and Medicaid cover doulas in which private insurances will follow, it's still an uphill battle to find an affordable doula. But with these options you gave us, it is possible. We just might have to take a little bit more time, do a little bit more research, and find the right the right support for us. So those are some yeah. great tips. And even your doulas that are two to four thousand dollars, many of us do work on sliding scales, do take payment plans. You just have to ask. You mentioned at the beginning of this that not only are you the doula, but you have your childbirth education course, Birth Academy, and of course, Birth Story Podcast, all of these things that you offer. So can you just tell us a little bit more about that and where people can connect with you more? Yeah, I developed all of these programs with the director of obstetrics from Chapel Hill, Dr. John Thorpe, and the reason he founded UNC Horizons. So UNC Horizons is a home for women who find themselves in crisis pregnancy, who have a history of opioid addiction. And it's a place where they can go to get sober, to get jobs, to live, to get education. So our proceeds in part go to, to pay for UNC Horizons. But the vision was that there are so many people that were like where I was on my first pregnancy with only one partner working, the other partner working with a lower income job and just couldn't afford a doula. So like Birth Story podcast is education through storytelling, just like Mama's in Training, and which is free content, right? So you can learn a lot from me as a virtual doula from just listening to the podcast. I wrote the book. If anybody listening to this podcast wants a copy of the book and they cannot afford it, all they have to do is DM me. So I charge for the book when you can pay for the book. If you cannot afford the book, you still get it. And I have significant discounts and sliding scales for Birth Story Academy. If you can afford $199, it's $199. But I will tell you, my whole program for being a birth doula is outlined in Birth Story Academy. Every single stage of labor, every hospital policy, every hospital procedure, and those things that we were talking about, asking your questions about the pros and the cons and the risks and the benefits. Like 
we outlined all of it in a course, and it's balanced with OBGYN and doula perspective. It has all the birth plans that a doula would give you for included in it. It has a workbook included in it. So much. So instead of paying two to four thousand dollars, you know, I tried to create something very affordable for people with Birth Story Academy where you could pay $200. And again, if someone cannot afford $200, all they have to do is DM me and let me know what they can afford. And they'll get access to Birth Story Academy because it was part of our mission to be able to provide affordable virtual doula services and childbirth education for anyone that cannot afford to have in-person doula support. But you know what we can do? We can train you and your partner in advance. When I became pregnant, again, five short months after I gave birth (laughs) on a long fertility journey. So long fertility journey, and then five months later, I found myself pregnant again spontaneously. I did look at my spouse and I said, the first thing that we're investing in is a doula. And so we found a doula that took a discounted rate and did a payment plan. She was all the things I needed her to be. She educated me. She guided me. She touched my body in all the ways it needed to be touched. And when I was giving in, she reminded me of my vision and I Mm. was able to achieve an unmedicated birth with my second. A nice joke, like my very small nine pound baby. (laughs) My doula helped empower me to have an induction at 40 weeks, which was different, but I was going to save myself three weeks of emotional torment by scheduling an induction. I would have never come to that decision without her. And I had an amazing, empowering induction that led to a vaginal birth, unmedicated on Pitocin because of a doula by my side. What do you think? Did Heidi convince you to explore the idea of a doula? You may not think it's a necessary part of your journey, and that's okay, but I encourage you to just have some conversations with a few doulas in your area to see what it is that they provide and how they could support you for a reasonable price. Remember to ask the important questions like, how accessible are you? What are your offerings? Do you come to my home? And if so, when? Do you bring any additional birthing education? or resources. And if they don't, check out Heidi's Birth Story Academy because she's offering 50% off. Yes, 50% off her book and course just for you. Just go to birthstory.com backslash online hyphen course and use the code mamasintraining, that's M-A-M-A-S, in training at checkout. Remember that a doula is not taking the place of your partner, but instead they're taking pressure off your partner so they can be more relaxed and know that you're being supported in every way possible. And if your partner is anything like my husband and might need a little convincing, then share this episode with them and maybe it'll help them understand the importance of a doula. And if money is tight, here's another idea. Put a doula on your registry. Then you can have people donate money toward a doula and you don't have to pay at all. If you're feeling overwhelmed with finding a doula, I have a solution for you. Heidi mentioned that you can find a really good doula by word of mouth and the best place to find them is in a community. So 
Join us in the free Facebook group, Mamas in Training. It's as easy as clicking on the link in the show notes. Then put up a post that says, looking for a doula in New York, California, Canada, wherever you are. And I can almost guarantee that we can make a connection for you. There are ladies all over the world in our community. And even if they didn't personally use a doula, they probably know somebody who has. I can't wait to find you a doula and support you there. Remember, we're in this together. If you enjoyed the show today, new episodes release every Wednesday. So be sure to subscribe in your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. And help us grow our mama community by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. That way I know how to better serve you. And finally, I would love to connect on Instagram. You can find me at Mamas in Training Pod. That's M-A-M-A-S in Training P-O-D. For Mamas in Training, I'm Jessica Lorian. We're in this together.